Welcome to the Pre-Snap Motion Podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here, as always, by Rich Rebar. Rich, how are you doing today? Doing great, Dan. Here we are, you know, mid-May. Things are starting to slowly open up across the United States. Uh, hopefully, you know, that's a term for the better. And, you know, we're going to get more positive news in the upcoming weeks as more people venture outside. And, uh, you know, hopefully everyone's still healthy and, and safe. But, we're, you know, hopefully we're still just, you know, moving towards, you know, getting towards this NFL season. And, you know, we're going to be here talking about football still. Yes, we are. And that's what we can do. That's, uh, I guess, what the two of us have pretty good at so hopefully you guys have been enjoying this as we've been talking to you for the past uh, couple of weeks we hope you have been enjoying the show if you have please rate and review uh, this podcast wherever you get your podcast you get it in the it's in the apple podcast app it's in all the other apps uh i think maybe we're still waiting on stitcher but uh, if you're waiting on that we are getting that up there soon uh so thank you guys for listening we hope you have enjoyed this we hope this is passing some time for you as you wait for football season and the fantasy football season to start. Now, one of the fantasy football seasons that might already be starting for you or that is already in progress for you because it never stops is a Dynasty Leagues. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. Just giving a quick overall of some Dynasty uh, formats, what Dynasty is for those of you that don't know, and the kind of some some things that can help you maybe be a slightly better Dynasty player. And if you're thinking about getting into it, you can get into it because it is a fun way to play fantasy football. Um, so before we start, Rich has all of the Dynasty content you would need up on Sharp Football Analysis right now. He has Dynasty ranks. He has rookie rankings on the site. Uh, we're going to be starting a new series that are looking at intriguing players uh, through a Dynasty lens, whether you should buy, sell, or hold. We have some of those up on the site right now. If you look, there's going to be a Kenyon Drake already. Um, there are going to be more guys throughout this week. So this is uh, an interesting thing to go into. So Rich, as we start here, uh, why don't you just kind of bring us into what Dynasty is and what you like about the format? Yeah, you know, we don't ever want to take for granted, you know, what level, you know, listeners are, are consuming this on. And, you know, a lot of people may have not even heard of Dynasty Leagues. You know, it's something that is growing in popularity, but, you know, still is, is it still makes up a fraction of actual fantasy players. I think if you would actually to take a poll upon people play Dynasty and play Redraft, it still would be a significant swing in the favor of Redraft where, you know, Dynasty maybe show up just as a little speck on the bubble there. But it is growing in popularity because the NFL is, you know, manifested itself into being a year-round activity and if you are someone that can't turn off the NFL or when the season ends you're disappointed that there's no more football or if you follow college football heavily if you follow the NFL draft heavily in prospect season then you know dynasty is going to be right in your wheelhouse as a fantasy player if you're already playing fantasy but haven't really realized that there's year-round fantasy football available for you. Um, you know, it used to be now, you know, there's their online sites, online sites that host this now, whereas that wasn't always available, you know, back in the day when you had to get 12 friends or 10 friends and, you know, orchestrate this league. You can now go on and play in Dynasty Leagues online. There are a number of sites that offer you where you can play against competitively, you know, for high stakes um, or, you know, on a on low, low stakes level as well. But, you know, if you're someone that likes the GM aspect of fantasy footballing or you just like, 
do you like to pretend you're, you know, one of these Twitter online GMs that we all like to wear that hat? I definitely give hot contract takes and things like that as well. Uh, then, you know, that's going to be in your wheelhouse too. you know, transitioning to dynasty because you have a team and it, the only way you get new players is by trading players, picking up players off waivers, which are thinner than other leagues. And then every year, the draft that is held is just drafting rookie prospects, college players coming into the NFL. Um, which is, you know, kind of an interesting dynamic. It's not like a typical redraft league where everybody is coming in and they're just drafting a team to try to win that ultimate goal. And that's probably my favorite aspect of Dynasty. And I play in a lot more Dynasty leagues than I do redraft leagues. It is my personal favorite format. And the reason why I love it is because there are multiple strategies being applied at once. Uh, you know, there is a little bit of that in redraft, but everyone's still fighting for one goal. Everyone's trying to win that one championship in that vacuum. Uh, but, you know, in Dynasty, you've got people, you know, playing for longer term than shorter term. Uh, they're not trying to just win immediately. Uh, also, when teams fall out of the race and they don't do well in season due to injuries or some bad luck or, you know, even bad drafting, they don't have to lose interest. They're still incentive to keep playing, to build your team and make it better and position yourself to be better in future years. Um, so those are some of the things that I like it just on the surface level uh, that, you know, you get a little bit of a varying strategies and different approaches just on the surface level of coming into, you know, um, your drafts and, and team building, which is fun. And then, like I said, it just never ends. And you have all these avenues open up to explore all these things that are now gaining popular, uh, gaining popularity in the public. You know, I, when I was, you know, in my teens, I never watched an NFL draft. I never cared as much. You know, I cared about which guys were going to be in Madden. Uh, but now, you know, that because I play in these dynasty leagues, I follow, I follow prospects clo more closely. I follow college, college football more closely. I have my fingers on the pulse to have an edge. Uh, so it just really opens up the door. If you really love football, I mean, dynasty formats is kind of, you know, opening up to full degeneratism uh, to be at your disposal. Yeah, absolutely. I think Dynasty is my favorite format also, and I've gone so far where I'm in a developmental Dynasty League is where we're also drafting uh, college players who sit on our college team for at least two years before we can put them uh, on our on our actual uh, Dynasty roster. So uh, as we like get into what Dynasty can do. Uh, let's talk about a little bit of the strategy. Cause like you said, there, there are different strategies and things that are involved uh, with it. I mean, I have my two big Dynasty teams. I have one that's the building for right now that I probably could win a championship this year. And the other team that I pay most closest attention to, uh, I am in a complete uh, teardown. I've uh, traded away a couple players. I'm trying to get all the picks I can uh, to probably compete uh, in next year or the year after, which is probably the best hope for that roster. Um, but when it comes into the, the drafting outlook, you still are getting that draft aspect of fantasy football. You're just getting it with rookie picks when you've already been in, uh, in the Dynasty League. If you're just starting up, you are you know, drafting like normal, but once you're in there, you're getting these, these rookie drafts. Um, so with the the draft being rookie only um how do you usually handle uh your rookie picks when you're looking at your dynasty leagues so a lot has changed over the years for how i approach this when i first started playing dynasty I used to treat rookie picks and Debbie picks like you talked about uh, in the leagues that I have the, the Debbie picks or Debbie, Debbie money available. I used to use that as currency uh, to buy, you know, established players and buy players that were already productive. 
because, you know, when I looked at the hit rates of, you know, players coming into the league, it's just like the real NFL. I mean, prospects bust out at a higher rate than, you know, having these known commodities. Uh, just to give you some numbers over the past decade, uh, it's, it really is. So players that have produced a top 24 running back or wide receiver scoring season or a top 12 quarterback or tight end season, it really comes out to one of every roughly five players hits you know, in, in, in each draft. Uh, so, you know, you're looking at, if, so apply that per round uh, and you're not getting a giant hit rate of these picks. You know, if you're talking about the, the first round though, you know, it's around 46% to 50%, like in that area. So about, it's about half in the second round, it falls down to 31%, 32%. And then third round or later, it's on, it's sub 10%. So I used to always want to come in and say, oh, you know, I'm just going to trade these picks and get established players. But then, you know, I started to kind of shift my philosophy over recent years and wanted to hold my rookie picks because the rookie picks themselves are a valuable commodity that only increase in value over time until they hit their apex when they come up. Uh, but so when I move picks, I definitely like to prefer to hold my ones now, uh, definitely until as late as possible and, you know, maybe trade them uh, when the time comes up for a really high priced established veteran. But, you know, when I move picks, I'm, I'm now more looking to shop, you know, the second rounders, the third rounders that the lower hit rates, but I can still use uh, to acquire some veterans that are aging that can help me out. And I'm trying to really hold on to these picks to maximize values. That's kind of where I've shifted my philosophy over the years instead of just trying to use the picks as currency. Uh, but then you said, like you kind of hit on what your two teams I and mean, team context is also in play for you and, you know, your trade partner. Uh, so, I mean, you always have to look at where your team is, you know, or am, am I a, a one player away? Do I feel like I'm one player away and I want to trade draft picks for Julio Jones to a team that's rebuilding this year. You know, can that last wide receiver one season he could potentially have be something that pushes me towards championship and do I want to pay that? So you're going to take your always your, your team roster into context. Uh, but yeah, like I said, the picks themselves are a lot more valuable than I initially, you know, credit them for because I used to just treat them as a one for one versus the hit rates. Uh, but the picks themselves hold a lot of value and then the players taken with those picks hold their value longer initially in, in drafts. I mean, you look at someone like taken in the first round last year as a top three pick, Nikhil Harry, he has his dra dynasty draft stack has not really taken a hit. He's only slid uh, just under two rounds in startup ADP from where he was last year, you know, hardly playing and, you know, not having a game where he had over 40 yards receiving, uh, you know, as a rookie. So, I mean, those guys are going to hold on to their value a lot more. They're not as depreciating as some of those veterans might be. So, I mean, it, it's kind of a give and take and understanding what's going to be you know valuable a year from now as opposed to uh, just what's valuable now uh, and those rookie picks hold some value but uh, when it comes to actual like players I'm looking to take with picks uh, you know I'm generally letting you know other people take wide receivers and tight ends in these rookie drafts because they're slower burn positions I'm targeting running backs uh, you know out of the box and a lot of opportunity because I want that that initial you know that initial hit that initial value guys that can increase their value and then I'm willing to pay the sticker price for wide receivers you know as they, they become established I want uh, those players to either kind of weed themselves out on play other teams rosters you know to start out I want to see if they're going to hit and then I'm willing to pay the sticker price uh, which is you know we'll talk about some trading dynamics but uh, with when those players finally, you know, do hit the ground uh, that are, is fruitful for fantasy, uh, you know, that's when I come in and want to buy those players. So I want to let them, you know, have a little productive struggle on other people's teams uh, to open up. Nice. Yeah. And it, outside of knowing your roster and what you are building for, it's also kind of knowing your league and how other people are valuing our rookie 
picks. I know in my developmental league, we, you know, since we're drafting guys who are in college and we have them already on a roster and waiting to get on a roster, our rookie picks really aren't as valuable as they would be in a normal uh, dynasty league where the full pool of rookies uh, is already coming in. I know in, in the developmental league that I'm in, like guys like, you know, the the rugs and the cd lambs and the jerry judy's all those guys have were already drafted like two years ago or three years ago some of them um and they're just automatically getting put on teams because they're already in developmental rosters so my you know rookie uh fifth pick in the first round uh is not as valuable as it would be in uh in a, a typical a dynasty round because i'm just not getting the same player so you you kind of have to know that so when i'm doing that um, in that league, I'm not treating first rounders as a lot of people would treat first rounders because it's just not the same value. Um, so while we talk about that and we do go into you know, trading, which is a big piece of what Dynasty is, I think that's one of the most fun parts about it. I, I am a pretty uh, aggressive trader. That is one of you know the ways you get players because uh, if you're drafting in a league with the guys who know what they're doing, there should not be a lot of good you know, free agents available. Your waiver period in Dynasty is not going to be um, as as fluid as it would be in a regular season-long redraft league. Um, so trades is how you really get it done. So, Rich, how are you? How do you view trades? How often are you trying to trade? Um, what What is your general approach to trading in Dynasty leagues? Trading is really one of the, it's the probably most, you know, important aspect that we talk about either where you're getting picks, you know, maneuvering your team. It's how you really maneuver, you know, the core players of your roster and dynasty. So you're not really going to run into a lot of waiver wire gems because a lot of, you know, guys that are even on the secondary surface level of team depth charts that won't be owned in your typical redraft league. These guys are all typically owned in a dynasty league because the rosters are expanded and, you know, it's a little more nuanced. Uh, but, you know, trading in general, there's some overlap that definitely applies to redraft as well. I mean, the, the first thing I said, we kind of hit on it, both you and I, is just find your team context. Are you, are you competing? Are you not competing? And then uh, focus on your team needs over specific players. So often I see people say like, well, I want this player. I'm going to go out and try to trade for this player, but you just might not be, you know, a, a team match for the, 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 the player you're specifically targeting. You know, uh, for example, like, you know, if I'm trying to move Kenyon Drake, you shouldn't just set, you know, Kenyon Drake on the, the block and hope for offers that people are just trying to pursue Kenyon Drake. You should one, see which teams in your league need a running back right now. Uh, find teams that are contending that need running backs. And then inversely, you know, if you need a running back, you should see, see uh, go through your team's rosters uh, uh, across your league and see which teams aren't contending first. And then look at running backs on those rosters or, or tight ends or wide receivers or whatever you should say. Instead of targeting a specific player and saying, well, I want to go out and get this player, go find the guy that you know isn't going to compete this year and see what running backs he has and see what running back you can get off him. You might not even have to pay as much than you would have for a guy that, you know, is surging like a Kenyon Drake or, you know, whoever. Uh, so definitely look at that uh, first, you know, definitely look at the team context in that regard. Um, also, you know, trading, you know, before the apex age, uh, you know, is something I look at a lot heavily, especially at wide receivers. You know, there's definitely a certain point in players career in dynasty where it doesn't matter how good they perform. They, their, their value the following year just can't be increased. It slides no matter what Julio Jones can have another 1300 yards this season and it won't matter. He's going to be worth less next year. Uh, on the market. 
So, I mean, you know, I like to look at those guys and as they're approaching those cliffs, uh, you know, running back is te technically around like age 27. Uh, if you're a good wide receiver, you know, it's, it's like 29, 30. Uh, you know, so I like to come in and trade those guys at maximum value right when they're on the cusp of that. And then sometimes I'll come in and rebuy those players cheaper. Like, you know, I said, like a Julio Jones, who can help a contending team win now, but you know that there's another shoe going to be another shoe that's going to drop, you know, eventually for Julio Jones and the NFL moves swiftly, uh, you know, very fluid and guys careers don't go on forever I mean it'd be nice to have everyone kind of turn in like these Larry Fitzgerald you know ran you know, seasons where they are still turning in productivity and you know last year he didn't but you know the previous two years he was a guy that was a great fantasy find for people because he was cheap and just still prime really productive you know Julian Edelman was a, a guy that's operated on a wide receiver one level in full PPR formats you know at age 33 last year so I definitely like to look at you know some of that as well when I'm in when I'm looking to make moves especially with players that are big names and big ticket items, trying to move them before the age apex and then maybe rebuy them uh, on contending teams when their value is uh, kind of, you know, uh, hitting that little stagnant, you know, where it's not going to be able to increase. And then the last thing I'll say is just, just be willing to pay the sticker price in Dynasty uh, for players. Uh, you know, if, they're, if you want A.J. Brown and you believe A.J. Brown is buy, valued as a wide receiver one, be willing to pay the wide receiver one price for AJ Brown. You know, don't, you, you, I, there's nothing wrong with sending a bad trade offer because bad trade offers get accepted all the time in leagues. So I definitely want to, you know, shun you away from sending out, you know, bad offers, but, you know, be willing to, you know, play, play at sticker price value uh, in dynasty leagues, because a lot of people, when you play in these leagues, they know the values of these players too. So definitely be willing to pay the sticker price on players, uh, especially players that you want to acquire. Uh, so I mean, just kind of, you know, some brass tacks, you know, surface area stuff, you know, when it comes to dealing, I definitely think that there's some redraft application to some of that as well. Yeah. And it's interesting. Yeah, knowing, I think uh, rosters around the league just as important to figuring out what trade value is as knowing your own roster is and what you need. Uh, being able to figure out what that other team might be interested in is just as important as you trying to get something specific. And I, I think that's not always something dynasty players are as in tuned in or as conscious about when putting trade offers out. And there's, you know, a, a balance between, you know, finding the, the inefficiency in, in your market or in your league and, and being a, a dick and just kind of throwing out whatever crazy trade offers there is. I think it's good to, to find that balance and, and know what you're dealing with. And one of the cool things about Dynasty is when you do have these guys that you're playing with for a long time, whether you knew them in the beginning of the league or not, the longer you play with these guys, you kind of know who they like. You can kind of see maybe players, maybe they have a type. Maybe that's something you can not exploit in a way, but you know you might be able to get something a little better from this guy because he values the type of player that you have. Um, that's also knowing who is in your league, knowing their rosters, that's all very important. Um, as much as the players and what assets you actually have. Uh, and, and I mean, it's funny that you bring up like guys like the Kenyon Drake in the dynasty league. I have, I've bought and sold Kenyon Drake on the same team this off season. And you can, you can do that. If you're having fun with this, uh, you can use guys to, to package around. I turned uh, Robert Woods into Kenyon Drake and Kenyon Drake with a little more into Odell Beckham. 
so that was that was a, a fun little improvement for me. I basically turned Robert Woods into Odell Beckham uh, through a couple of trades and knowing that this team needed a wide receiver, but this other team needed a running back. And you got an upgrade with a wide receiver there. That's, I think, going to help me a little more in the long run. I think most people would rather have Odell Beckham uh, than Robert Woods, probably anyone not named Dave Gettleman, uh, but that is a completely different podcast. Um, so while we uh, continue here, what, what are some you know, settings and, and initial things people should be looking for uh, in their dynasty leagues uh, if they're thinking about starting up? And so if you're in, you know, if you're thinking about getting into Dynasty, but you haven't yet, then I think if you're making a, a, a transition from Dynasty to just playing redraft uh, and you want to set it up smoothly, I mean, it, to just people getting acclimated to Dynasty, you should aim small and then layer in things as you go. Uh, you know, definitely try to keep maybe smaller rosters. And when I say smaller rosters for Dynasty, I would say like, you know, 24 to 26 players, or you say 22 to 26 players to keep a little bit of that waiver wire, uh, invo- waiver wire involvement, you know, early on, uh, you know, just keep, you know, regular similar starting lineups to what you would play, uh, you know, trying to do too much too soon or too radical could like turn a lot of people off, you know, especially if you're doing this with like home friends or trying to transition people. Um, you even see this like in like, even with keeper leagues and odd rules and redraft where like people just don't want to deal with everything you know they you try to change stuff too much they don't want to deal with it you know people get stuck in their ways uh so if you're just starting a super level and you want it to be a, more of a transition period that's why i would say aim small try to make it you know so you're just you know kind of a you know a very brass tax type of league and you can layer in you know creativity as more people get interested and it's and it's growing and you know everyone's starting to you know figure out what this is i have a buddy that's he is a he's a hardcore fantasy player has played fantasy dfs you know his whole life and loves it and I got him into a dynasty league and he was like real skeptical at first because he was like I don't know how it's gonna be he has got all these goofy things it's a rookie draft and he got in and found out he really loved it uh you know just be, he was just he just didn't know you know until he got in and, and and was able to you know kind of experience it but it wasn't like I had him jump into this league that had like you talked about developmental players and we had tight end premium scoring and we had multiple you know positions you could play and all those things if you're just trying to get it, you know, off the ground and you know, have some people kind of transition, I think that you should aim small and then layer stuff in, like I said. Um, but, you know, it, it, that experience, as experience is gained uh, and interest is really kind of equally, you know, towards being a degenerate, that's when you can get really creative. Uh, that's when you can start altering, you know, your starting lineups, uh, increasing your roster sizes, uh, you know, having, you know, fun with scoring. Uh, I play in five of these leagues, they're called kitchen sink leagues with, you know, Ryan McDowell, you know, the, the great Ryan McDowell, the commissioner of commissioners that he runs. They're by far my favorite league to play in, but a number of people have come and done these leagues for one. They've been one and done. Cause it's a lot to handle at first. I mean, it's basically, they're called kitchen sink because he takes elements from basically every format of, of, fantasy football and is incorporated into these one leagues it's dynasty it's got contracts it's got devi players it's got auctions uh it's got all these things hence the name kitchen sink you know uh but you know if i was starting the league right now uh you know four people transitioning they, it would be like i said more smaller i would try to start it out with two qbs and super flex though uh, even if people haven't done that just because 
the quarterback position is just so devalued, especially in dynasty. I would try to, you know, increase the value there and at least have the option for people to, to have two QBs or not. If we say super flex. It really is technically a two QB league, uh, even though we're, 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 we're painting the picture that it's not. Uh, and then, you know, I would want to eventually build my way up to having, you know, 28 plus man rosters because uh, I want that roster squeeze to matter a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I have a little bit more minimal time, you know, given how much uh, we're doing work and stuff. So I, I like to, to not have the waivers, you know, every Tuesday night while we're doing work in season, you know, I have to go through and do all these 17 dynasty teams to try to set waivers for them all. Uh, so I don't mind having the deeper rosters, but I, I would say definitely start small, get people acclimated uh, and then start layering in, you know, your layers of degeneratism. And I know just on Tuesdays, like, editing a waiver wire piece while I was also editing your worksheet. Like that was enough for me to not want to do any waivers. So I can only imagine what it would be like for you to be writing the worksheet and then actually having to do waivers. So I completely understand why uh, you would want to uh, get away from that. Um, but while we go into these, these startups and you are looking into go into a dynasty league. The draft does then have all of the players, not just the rookie players. You are starting like a normal fantasy football draft, but you are just drafting to build your team to keep those players. So in a startup draft, uh, what, um, what are some of the approaches that uh, you have found to work and, and what would be the advice you would give to someone who is entering a startup draft? So yeah, definitely know your opponents. You know, uh, you know, I, I've been in a couple startups this year with some of the guys that you know. I'm sure the people listening, you know, follow. And I know some of those guys play a little more aggressively from being in the leagues. Them, they want to win now. And the goal, listen, dynasty, it, it doesn't change. The goal is to still win championships. But it's a lot different when you try to come out of the gates in a startup and win a championship. A lot of the times, you are going to take on a lot of depreciating assets. Like I said, you have to understand future value as well uh, outside of player analysis and understand where players are also valued a year from now because we know just trying to win any league is hard I mean with 12 teams even if say eight of them are gunning for the title now it's still hard to beat out eight teams to actually win a title there's a lot of variance that goes into actually winning a championship I have one dynasty that's been in the playoffs all seven years we've had it and I have not won a championship at all uh you know it's just it just kind of is always been the bridesmaid uh but you know at least I'm putting myself in that position to contend you know by understanding some value but you know when you just go out and, and gun for it, you can win a championship that way, but it's really hard to build a dynasty that way. I prefer my preferred method is, is kind of something that, you know, Ryan is a guy that's coined this, you know, I've kind of taken it from him is, you know, the productive struggle method where you may not, you know, fully compete year one, but you're also not completely tanking either. You're, you're taking on assets that you believe can appreciate in value and that are going to be, you know, valued higher than they will be, uh, than they are currently, you know, right now, as they will, you know, a year from now, they're going to have increased value. They all don't work out that way. Some, some of the players, they don't because that's the NFL and that's how things work. So I try to specifically, like I said, target, you know, my core players in those apex range of ages. You know, the only position I don't really care about age is quarterback. Although I do think a lot of the younger quarterbacks are undervalued now because the position was so old for so long, but QBs are playing now like relief pitchers in baseball. Like these guys are pushing 40. I have a guy's like 
Russell Wilson, I don't, I'm not really like that scared that he's 32, you know, uh, as opposed to like a running back or a wide receiver. Uh, so, I mean, that's the only place I don't really go like full on like ageism, but I want to keep my core in this productive struggle elements of players in the apex range. I'm talking my core, like my players, like rounds one through 12, like the, to start this off, like the front of the draft. I don't mind taking on some guys that can chip in later on or some guys I think I may be able to trade in season that are de- depressed because they are up against the, the gun. Like Julian Edelman's probably a good guy and probably a terrible guy for this example now because he doesn't – the value, what is his value with Jarrett Stidham? But if Tom Brady's playing a year ago in startups, he was a, a supreme value for that to either, one, try to get – to, to be a glue guy on your roster in later rounds or trade in season for these, you know, productive struggle rosters. But you're not counting on him to be a guy that increases value. So I'm trying to operate in there uh, in those, you know – those age buckets and try to build my core around there Uh, because like I said death comes swiftly for a lot of players Uh, that's a terrible word probably Uh, you know it'd be so morbid Uh, but you know saying that that, you know these guys don't actually actually die but their actually fantasy value does it goes quick off the table but that's probably my preferred method just because like I said you could win a championship but winning championships is hard but the way to build a dynasty I believe is taking a little slower approach I don't I'm not against tanking. Uh, I don't specifically try to tank and like have the worst team, you know, to have the number one pick uh, because like I said earlier with those, you know, outcomes we talked about picks, having the one-on-one also isn't just a slam dunk of getting a guy that's going to be a fantasy future star. But, you know, I, I try to position myself with having more of a look towards years and beyond. A lot of people try to also act like, um, bring up a three-year window. I never really seen successful application of that ever. Uh, I think it's more fun to say uh, than actual execution of having a three-year window or working three-year windows. I want to build a team that I can constantly turn over, uh, you know, year over year, not turn over in the sense of turning over my entire roster, but I'm taking pieces on that come from all avenues uh, to, to help me get to where I want to be. I want to, I want to like, take this productive struggle team. I want to build an engine team that's consistently competing. And then I have those assets, those second and third rounders I can take on if I needed Emmanuel Sanders to come in for the final seven weeks of the season and help me help my team through the playoffs, uh, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, if you want to build a dynasty, I believe that's the most uh, you know, successful way to do it is to have some patience um, instead of coming out of the guns. But like I said, you have to know your, league mates you have to know how aggressively people are going to be you know in your draft it's not as easy as do when you play in these online leagues but you'll see how in draft how players are drafting if you're in the middle of a draft you say well this guy's already taken you know Aaron Rodgers Julio Jones and he's got Mark Ingram uh you know you can see what this guy's doing you can see what he's building for you know as opposed to some guy that maybe is going the complete opposite direction he's taken you know he's taken Josh Jacobs he's taken Nikhil Harry these, these younger guys that maybe don't have a lot of 20 20 value um you know, Josh Jacobs is a terrible example. You get what I'm saying. I'm just trying to reach off the reach off the top of my head. There's some of the names, but you know, someone that's clearly clearly playing for the future. You'll you'll see that develop in draft. You don't have to specifically know the guys going in. You'll see how the rosters are developing in draft. Uh, but yeah, I like to take that slower approach and really you know try to monetize guys that are going to appreciate and value a year from now. So while you were talking, I went to look and see if I could find any of my startup dynasty drafts and. They were so bad. I do not even want to talk about them on the podcast, uh, but they also uh, helped build what I have as a roster uh, right now. A, um, a Des Bryant, Arian Foster, Marshawn Lynch start um, turned into a league worst record and Saquon Barkley in that uh, Debbie league 
So uh, that has happened and that has helped my team be uh, competitive the past couple years. So that was nice. It was not competitive that first year. I will uh, tell you that. Um, that was uh, not a great start. But yeah, so I mean, there's so many different ways you can be finding the value in these guys. And also, I think one of the important parts is that having fun. I think that's one of the things that the dynasty is about. You can just kind of have these guys that you like and not really, you know, feel the pressure to be doing a set strategy in this every, every year, like in, in a redraft where you know you have to do this one thing if you want to win. You can, you can build the type of roster you want. You can overpay for some of the guys you like if you want. Um, and you can build the type of roster you want to have and, and figure out how you want to compete because you do have this, this longer window of not having to just think about it for one year like you do for um, like you do for a redraft league where you're you know, picking players, whether you like them or not, because you think they're going to help you win uh, right now in 2020. And for Dynasty, you don't need to do that. And that is, I think, one of the most fun parts of Dynasty is you can just control whatever you are going to do. Yeah, I mean, uh, w- one thing, too, is I, I tr- I'll stress this later in the summer when we get to redraft season, is if the draft is just one aspect here. Like, don't try to have a perfect draft, even in a Dynasty League, because you're not going to. Uh, it's not something that's going to happen. And you got, you'll have so much roster churn. You, you know, you don't have to go out and say, I have to fill – you don't have to roster fill, basically, uh, especially in Dynasty. It should not be a focus of you uh, in draft you know, at all, and it, by any means. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are looking for what you need to do for a dynasty and you're looking into either doing a startup draft or you're looking for maybe some guys you should be thinking about acquiring during the season. Uh, like we mentioned at the top, Rich has so many rankings up on the site right now. There are dynasty rankings. There's a dynasty top 300. There's a rookie rankings for just individual rookies. All of those can be put together for your perfect guide for what you can be looking for. Uh, for your dynasty leagues we hope you uh, enjoy this podcast and it can kind of sit as an evergreen type of of podcast where you can kind of think about what dynasty might mean if that's not something you have done before if even if it is something you have done before if some of these strategies we kind of talked about can help you out um, as dynasty is going to be going you know it it doesn't stop which is the fun part about uh, that type of week that everything can keep going so we hope this podcast um, and though it wasn't as we didn't dive into maybe players as much, but I think we will um, as we get closer to the season. We'll have uh, some Dynasty by cells. Rich is writing Dynasty by cells right now. Those are also on Sharp Football Analysis, so you can find those. Um, so we hope you enjoyed this. Um, we'll be hoping to do some other, like, just kind of top-down, evergreen-type uh, podcasts for you as we continue throughout the season. We kind of figure out this this little dead period where there's not much going on, but we would like to talk about football. I think everyone would like that. Uh, we hope you have enjoyed that. So like we said at the top, please rate and review if you have not. That'll help this podcast be found by more people who might like to be talking about football right now. So uh, Rich, thank you for another great episode. Uh, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you again soon.